Welcome to the Hot Local Podcast. Kevin Acey, Potter's beat writer for the Union Tribune. Jay Poser, sports editor of the Union Tribune. I'm in Philadelphia for some reason. Oh, because the Padres and the Phillies are playing in the league championship series, tied one game apiece. Jay, how about that? I, I don't know if it's just me, but I've been thinking back on this season and how last time I was in Philly and all the things that were happening. And then the Phillies, they're, you know, rough song fire their manager and then the Padres were just bad. They were under 500 for three months. <laughs> and here we are. This is wild. It's baseball, Kevin. Of course, <laughs> that's what happens. It's baseball. I mean, Bruce Bochy just got hired by the Texas Rangers. So anything, do you think this is weird? Look, look yeah. at that. So anyway, uh, Boch, of course, was the manager the last time the Padres were in the postseason after a full uh, after a full season, and the last time there were fans, and we, you know, we've talked about the fans at the Dodger series over the weekend. Uh, the fans were pretty much just as intense. The first two games of this series, not a whole lot to cheer about. The first uh, the first game with Zach Wheeler pitching for the Phillies, and uh, but you Darvish pitched great also. And but boy, during the during the comeback on uh, on Wednesday, just when it looked like the season was about to go down the drain, or or at least be circling, the uh, the Padres came up with quite a rally, and uh, certainly a different feeling going to Philadelphia at one one than it would have been going down 0-2. No team has ever won a league championship series after losing the first two games at home. So not to say the Padres couldn't have, but I think you uh, you and anyone else connected that's followed this team would have to be more encouraged at 1-1 than, uh, than 0-2. So what was your takeaway? What was your big takeaway from uh, from the first couple of games? Well, I certainly think they are more encouraged. I think that they knew yeah. what they had to do. Uh, you know, <laughs> and, and, you know, as Bob Melvin said, still got to win four games. But uh, I don't even think there's any stating how much uh, different this is. And a part of that is that now you have Joe Musgrove going and Joe Musgrove over his past six starts is like Joe Musgrove over his first 12 starts of 2022. I mean, he's right. You know, he's not quite that dominant but it's pretty close he's allowed three runs uh in is it 36 innings over his last uh six starts i believe it is maybe it's uh, yeah it's six his final four of the regular season and, and these two uh and he's going against ranger suarez who by the way threw uh allowed two runs in seven and a third innings back in june but ranger suarez did not finish the season strong and i don't know that the phillies are looking to get out of him today what the padres are basically expecting to get out of joe musgrove i think the padres pitching is in fantastic shape now of course, even though the Phillies have used seven relievers, Potters have only used four. Uh, they have two really good starters who went who went away, and they had an off day yesterday. But we could be looking at Jay five games in a row here, right? Um, and and, and we we talked about that at the beginning of the series that it, the bullpen especially could be impacted by the schedule, and that starts tonight. That you know you're not going to be able to throw your best guys in every game, and so we'll see we'll see how that goes. The the Phillies struggled a bit. I mean, Brad Hand came in the other day and, and had two strikes on Cronenworth. That was the bat, the matchup that Rob Thompson wanted and, and Hand hit him. And then he was stuck having to leave him in uh, to face a couple of right-handed batters. And Brandon Drury and Josh Bell came through, uh, which, as you wrote about, the, the trade dividends uh, from from all those trades. And it, 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 it 
the payoff came in the playoffs, as I think is what you said. And Jay, that would have been a better answer, even though I think I gave some decent information in my answer to your question. That would have been a better answer to your question of what was my takeaway from, uh, <laughs> from the first two games is, is that what you just said. <laughs> but no, I, I and I think that the one thing to note, and it, the Padres definitely have a pitching advantage tonight, although, as you said, Suarez beat Musgrove. I think that might have been like the first game this year where Musgrove got knocked around. And it was his uh, first was, non-quality start, and he still went six well, innings, and it was five runs in the sixth inning. In the sixth inning, and it was just a bizarre thing. And I remember thinking that he gave up the run, the first couple runs, and it's like, okay, that's fine. And, you know, no, I wouldn't take him out here. And boom, the three-run homer, and all of a sudden it was a six, uh, a five-run inning, I guess, uh, in the in the sixth that knocked him out. It just happened so quickly. Uh, but I do think that's a sort of a warning sign. I mean, the Phillies offense can do that. Uh, just as the Padres' offense has, uh, and it wouldn't today. happen tonight. I, I know. Look, Bob Melvin has surprised us even in the postseason, right? Yeah. <laughs> by by going with uh, his starters, uh, but I, I promise you, he'd be gone after the first homer tonight because they would have someone up. This isn't yeah. June. It's not the long play. It's hey, boom. Yeah. Like let's say that uh, again. JT Realmuto hit a two-run homer, and it was now two to one. They'd have already yeah. had somebody warming up. And and the and the even larger point that I was going to make is the Padres seem to have an advantage tonight. Tomorrow I would rate as somewhat of a toss up with because you don't know what you're going to get out of Clevenger and Manaya. Don't know what you're going to get out of out of whatever the Phillies throw out there, whether it's you know Syndergaard or or whoever ends up starting. They're going to use several several guys. But remember, the Phillies beat the Braves in both games that these that they use this sort of pitching strategy. So it's not like the Padres. And and I think, you know, there's kind of a little bit of this feeling maybe among fans like, hey, the Padres have this big advantage now at one one. And, and I don't look at it that way. I mean, I think this is I think this is really a toss up at this point. Uh, the Phillies have still have three of the five at home, which, you know, in theory is an advantage. I know the Padres won two out of three in New York, but I, I, I'm certainly not thinking, oh, the Padres are going to waltz to any sort of victory here just because they have a pitching advantage in the next day, maybe two days. I do think it's it's critical, and this is sort of a Captain Obvious comment here, it's really critical the Padres win at least one of these next two games because I don't think you want to be facing elimination on Sunday afternoon in what, no doubt, I've, I'm not familiar with Citizens Bank Park, but I would imagine like most parks, a game starts at 2.37 in the afternoon. There's going to be a lot of shadows, and Zach Wheeler is going to be pitching. And I don't think I'd want my season riding on the line with having to beat Zach Wheeler. Not that it can't be done, but it would be a lot easier maybe to win the first game or two games even, be in that position. I, I have a hard time, and just the fact I'm saying this, you know, maybe it happens now. I have a hard time seeing either team sweep this weekend. I really feel like, you know, we'll, be, we'll all be back at Petco Park on Monday for what would be a five o'clock start for game six. Right. You got Joe going, uh, Joe Musgrove going tonight. You got you Darvish going on uh, Sunday, be a rematch there. Uh, that Sure. That looks good, but you got Zach Wheeler going on Sunday too. You've got the Phillies and their offense here in this ballpark, which is not say the bandbox of <clears throat> certainly uh, uh, great America ballpark in, in Cincinnati, but it's about middle of the road. It gives up far more home runs. It gives up far more hits than uh, Petco Park does. That said, the Phillies play here, and they're far better at home. As a matter of fact, the Phillies are just about as much better at home in terms of statistics as the Padres are better on the road. <laughs> like the Padres, all of right. their numbers that would be up, say 20 points batting average, say uh, 50 points OPS, you know, I think those are right. But like that, that's exactly 
how much the Phillies are better at home. It's mm-hmm. so look, and then so you say, well, better than Petco Park. Well, the Padres play there, and they don't do really yeah. well there. So those numbers are skewed, obviously. And these uh, obviously, the Padres pitching staff has been very good, but the Padres pitching staff gets to pitch at Petco Park. So yeah. can't really tell you much. They won when you Darvish. I forget what his numbers were. I do remember he pitched here because uh, mm-hmm. unlike Bob Melvin, I was here when the Padres played uh, in. <laughs> at, at, at Citizen Bank Park last time. But the other two games were started by Blake Snell in his first start of the season. That's the right. game the Padres lost. And the other one was by Mike Clevenger. And that was the Mike Clevenger, Mackenzie Gore piggyback. And they shut out the, um, the the Phillies. As a matter of fact, all three games here were shutouts. Right. I remember that. Won two and the Phillies won one. So um, I'm going to predict that th- that all three of these games are not shutouts. I'm just going to go out on I'm going to go out on that limb right now. And and you know the other thing about those Phillies offensive numbers is that you know Harper missed a lot of time uh, during the season, so they and so they had someone in there who was not as good as Bryce Harper because there are very few players anywhere who are as good as Bryce Harper. So that hit a little bit. Uh, and then Harper struggled coming back from his injury, but he he is not struggling in the postseason. And uh, he, he is dangerous every time he comes to the plate. And the Phillies have some other dangerous hitters. I mean, that home run that Kyle Schwarber hit the other night is, you know, there's a lot of sort of memorable moments that we'll, we'll take from this postseason. And I know that wasn't a, a quote, pro Padres moment, but I, I don't think anybody who's there will forget the sound that that ball made and and how far it traveled i i really didn't know we'd ever see a home run get to the second deck in right field like that it's certainly in right center field like uh, closer to you know not down the line or anything so that was quite a prodigious blast as uh to go Schwarber, who was one for 20 with three walks coming in yeah. uh reached yeah. base every time no he finally struck out uh at the uh, toward the end of the game was i don't know if it well it, it right and it just shows how some of these stats i mean it, they, they're not predictive um, you know, Brandon Drury hadn't done much. Josh Bell hadn't done much, uh, you know, and, and they were in the middle of everything on uh, on, on Wednesday. Listen, and, Josh and Bell is still on track to be the hero for the Padres uh, in this I know, season. I know. If, if he were to have another big game and this team were to do what it wants to do, you would say game one. I, I'm convinced Josh Bell was the hero of game one. He showed the pot. Yep. He shut up the crowd. He turned them on the Mets, or at least he did the – bulk of that work and he showed his teammates Max Scherzer is not on tonight um and not that they wouldn't have figured that out but I'm telling you that changed that game they were standing there in line for the national anthem going dang this crowd's into it this is intense every pitch man uh by second strike they were up by uh you know every ball that uh you Darvish threw they were up I mean it was and he changed it then you had this game the other night where he and Drury had five of the six RBIs during the comeback and he has another game. And you're like, is Josh Bell the MVP of the postseason? <laughs> he's taking. Are you saying he's he's rivaling Trent Grisham's kind of going back a little bit to being what Trent Grisham was during the season? So uh, yeah, there's definitely uh, definitely that feeling there. And, and we talked about it at the start of the postseason. That's what happens. You don't know where you don't know where your heroes are going to to come from. I mean, you know, Soto got a big hit the other night. The bottom of the Padre order continues to produce uh, with whether it's Kim or Profar down there. They hit better when they're down there. Um, Grisham, not quite as much. Austin Nola, huge hit against his brother the other day. Did you know that he was facing his brothers, Kevin? Did you catch that? It reached uh, that point where that was the line. I know. I know. Jesus so, um, yeah. 
But I, I think, you know, one thing we saw, the Phillies' defense wasn't great. They made a mistake in the ninth inning of game one that could have cost them. The Padre defense in that second inning on Wednesday uh, let them down quite a bit. I mean, look, it, it was really bright out there that day. I mean, guys lose balls in the sun. That's what happens. But that wasn't the only play that the Padres didn't make uh, in uh, in that inning. I mean, I think they made four defensive mistakes in in that inning. Soto losing the ball in the sun was only one of them. But that, that would have been, I mean, I think... Uh, just thinking about this, that could have been like the the Trent Grisham moment from the Brewers National Series, uh, where if the Padres had lost the game and that was a key play, it was it you know would have been Soto losing the ball in the sun, and it would have become one of those famous playoff moments that you that you hear about, where you know guys make errors at the wrong time and they they become known for that. At the I, very I least, that inning would have become the inning. And that inning yeah. would have uh, been the converse of the seventh inning against the Dodgers in game four. It was, right. you know, Brandon Drury. I don't know. I think the way he was faced and his defensive limitations, I think the play was at home for Brandon Drury. But maybe oh, he was thinking sure. he had double play, and that's what got him because that was not a difficult ground ball that he blew. So yeah. he blew that. So we could be talking about a two-run inning, right? Like, like, yeah. hey, bloops yeah. happen. I'm not taking Blake Hel- Blake Snell off the, the the hook entirely, but like he did not deserve that inning to go 37 pitches in four runs. No, no. So, and and you have to give credit to Blake Snell as, as holy smokes, you know, as people did after the game for getting through the next three innings because the, he shut down the Phillies there and sort of and the Padres got in position to uh, you know to make the comeback and and it's so. It's so key for the Padres to get the to get a lead because you know Suarez did give up the home run the other day, but Suarez and especially Josh Hader have just looked so good. Nick Martinez uh, was was clutch in the first uh, in the first couple of games. You know the the Padre bullpen continues to pitch very well, and uh, so I think that's another reason why you'll see you might see a little bit of a quick hook with guys you know going forward, except for probably Darvish. He's the one guy that will be allowed to go deeper into games. Now, some of it's going to depend on where you're at, right? Because it is in Bob Melvin's mind that there are potential for five games, right? Correct, and correct. Yes, the overriding thing is you have to win today. So do you? is it tied? Do you have a lead? Are you down one? What's the score? Have you been able to score? All these yeah. things will be running through his mind because so far he hasn't been in a situation that you see a lot of playoff managers in where they're down two or whatever, but man, I can't let it get worse. So then they burn one of their high leverage guys, right? And then yep. the next day it, it, it hurts them because that guy can't pick or you know he's already pitched three times in four days or whatever Bob Melvin hasn't had to do that yet there was a little bit of that in game one they were down two nothing and he went but he went to Martinez who is is one of their high leverage guys right. but he's not he's not Suarez or hater right and so I think by being able to that's how valuable Nick Martinez has been for this team is he was able to get an inning out of him that night and then get two innings the following day which which was really big monster I mean as crazy as that game went I think it went kind of to plan there's no way you go into that game going we're getting more than we're gonna count on more than five out of Snell like and he's one batter for being removed in the second inning. Yeah. yeah. Then he yeah. goes five innings, right? <laughs> and he would have gone one batter in the sixth, at least, if they hadn't, had they not, if the, if hadn't had a 37-minute uh, inning after yes. that. And, and Melvin mentioned that he didn't think it was good to send him back out there. But he would have gotten at least one batter. So uh, you go Snell, Martinez, Bridge to your final two guys. Oh, well, before the game, you're like, oh, okay, yeah, that's what we're going to do. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> didn't no, have the 37-pitch in, uh, inning. Hey, speaking of which, 
Uh, and we're coming up again, so we're going to try and keep it a little shorter today because we're doing these, uh, you know, uh, here in the postseason, and there's no reason that for you to, you know, blabber blabber on. You got to get your face paint on. You, you know, you can't be just listening to us. Uh, we got to get ready to go down to the gas lamp. All right. Yeah. Blake Snell, four times this season, has thrown single digit pitches in the first inning, and in every one of those games, has ended up getting lit up. <laughs> We need to not concentrate on how many pitches Blake Snell throws because, look, he gets so much swing and miss. A lot of times the guys are up there taking defensive swings against him. So the amount of times Blake Snell gets up 0-2 or 1-2 and it ends up being a 7-8-9 pitch at bat because guys were just like, all right, I got to get to one more pitch. I got to get to one more pitch. Trying to, who cares how many pitches Blake Snell throws? He's a 5-6 inning guy who should keep you in every in every game. Now, there's going to come a time where Blake Snell's going to throw a no-hitter or something and no one should be surprised because – Everything came together, right? Like he was facing the right team. He was on. But the fact is, like, I don't even know how to read Blake Snell anymore other than, you know, the guy's a really good pitcher who uh, it gets away from him sometimes. I'm still going to be surprised if he pitches a no-hitter. To see him go nine innings would still be a big surprise. But he he is a guy that you can usually count on. And, look, he has his limitations. He's going to be a five- or six-inning guy most games. But if you're going to get five or six really good innings out of him, which uh, you do a good chunk of the time, especially seems like in the second half of the season, then you're going to take it. And he would be the guy. Look, if they if they come home, uh, if they come home on Monday and they're and they're and they're down three two, then you know you still I think you still feel good having him on the mound for uh, you know for that game. He's still one of your top three guys, and if you're up three two then, you know, he's in position to potentially uh, close it out. So I, I think now it's going to come know, down to Joe Musgrove in game seven, because that's how every series has yeah, to end. Yeah, Joe, Joe no, Musgrove on the mound. And, and if it does, I mean, it'll that be it'll be quite a night. I mean, there you you know this as well as I do. There is nothing like a game seven in sports. And and I've, I've been at game sevens in in all the major sports that that have them in, in the NHL and in the uh, in the NBA and in Major League Baseball and there is just nothing like it and I'm not saying I want this to go seven but if it does you'll you, you know it's one of those things that that you'll remember I mean I I don't think the Padres have not had a game seven in their history I don't believe they've had a couple of of elimination games like game three against the Cardinals a couple of years ago obviously game five against the Cubs uh in 84 but but no, I no, think the they, sevens? They, no it was six yeah, against have, uh, Atlanta right is that yeah and, and Houston was the same and uh I think that was a four game series in 98 and the the other series against the Cardinals I I don't think the Padres have ever had a game seven in their uh in their history so that's something to look forward to maybe i don't know i haven't had a lot of opportunity to have yeah they have not it depends on the alternative but i i think that you know the weekend should be fun i mean the philly look the philly crowd is going to be just as crazy as the padre crowd no doubt and as you mentioned maybe they turn on their team a little bit if it comes to that I'm, i'm not sure so we had some booze uh, we had some booze on wednesday in san diego yeah yeah there were there were a little there were a little bit of uh probably a little bit of that. I read a Washington po- Post story this morning that was really good and it was just about the love that everyone is feeling here in the city of brotherly love because wow. of how well the Eagles are doing yeah. and, and the Phillies are this feel good story because it had been so long and they were terrible during the year at time and there it just didn't seem good and I'm thinking this is a really good story and and this is not about the story. I'm thinking BS. No chance. <laughs> Things good. They get down five nothing tonight. These people are brewing by Bryce Harper when he strikes out. No chance. And I'm not making any judgment about that. So what you know when you come to Philadelphia, 
that on opening day they're going to boo you if you know yep. things are going well. <laughs> but they do get they they are very much behind people. Do they um, love their team? As, you uh, might make as, the argument that this is well. better than New York or yeah. more passionate. Uh, we should touch on one quick thing before we go that not about this series. And and I, I hate this topic. Then why but, are you going there, Jay? Because our producer wants us to go there because he's upset about it. So I'll let you talk about because I think the gold gloves are a joke. They've been a joke for a long time. I don't pay attention to them. But the Padres obviously were upset yesterday when Manny Machado wasn't named a finalist. So I'll let you I'll let you discuss what the Padres thought about that. And it struck me, wait, Juan Soto is a finalist for a gold glove and Manny Machado's not. So anyway, you can have it from here. And here's the thing. I agree with you. I mean, I do. I, I These are, and it's bizarre to me because especially outside of 2020, there's, uh, I think, six coaches plus a manager from each team that vote. And it's 75% of the vote. The other is this quasi-secret uh, defensive index that uh, the Society of Baseball, what a saber. Uh, but they, they're really Baseball smart right guys. Uh, yep. But it really surprises me when you have people in the game. So this isn't the media. Uh, yep. This isn't like you didn't put this on MLB.com and have fans vote for it. This is people in the game. Um, and so it is something. So it is something to be upset about. There's a gold glove. You get this gold glove. It's literal. Um, and and that Manny Machado is, is not one of the three. And look, I've seen Ryan McMahon make fine plays. He also makes a lot of errors. Um, Nolan Arenado. While I think it's preposterous, he's won nine in a row and he will ne- he will win one until he retires. That's yeah. what, that's what'll happen unless we all make such a big thing out of it that you know then it's unfair the other way like he no way we're not going to vote for Nolan Arenado he's won too many um, which is ridiculous but and then uh, Cabrian Hayes the I haven't seen him play as much obviously but the metrics are incredible I have a problem with defensive metrics because they they cannot measure what Manny Machado does you know so wow what Manny Machado does. Everybody knows, and I guess that'll have to be enough because he's not a finalist. But let's not get too upset because Nolan Arenado was going to win anyway. Exactly, exactly. And I I do think Machado had a stretch where he wasn't quite as as Machado-like this year. A lot of that was probably, and I don't have it all synced up, but I'm guessing a lot of that was when he wasn't 100% healthy uh, as well. He doesn't make every play, but it's he's, he's preposterous he's, that he's yeah, not so. one of the top three. And I mean, if, if I allow myself to get upset about it, only based on fairness, not because like I'm this big Manny or Padres yeah. fan, it's ridiculous. Okay. So even more ridiculous. And look, it is what it is, but Juan Soto's not a cold clover. Okay. Right. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah. Trent Grisham is very good. I know you don't agree with me on the defense. I think that he's a little bit like Manny Machado, that he makes plays that he makes look super simple, and then he makes some errors. Uh, I thought he had a good. I thought he had a pretty good defensive year this year, better than last uh, year. Hassan Kim is wow. Uh, good to see him is, get some recognition for as dependable as, as as you could possibly be at that. There are there are plays that like some other guys make that he doesn't. Sure, I'll take Hassan Kim, and especially Hassan Kim batting two fifty. Right. Yeah. Um, I'll take that guy. Right. Um, and Jay Cronenworth, I think, could be long overdue. That said, I don't watch the other guys as much. If I were voting for a gold glove, and this is me calling out the coaches, I damn well would make sure that I watched, you know, I'd go back and watch tape. I would yeah. whatever. Right. Like, um, but 
Anyway, that's about well, it. That's probably pro- more than we should have given it, just based probably. on how you and I feel about it. But yeah. it, but it is a valid thing that man that it, that people would be perturbed that Manny Machado would be perceived as at best the fourth best third baseman uh, in the National League. That's ridiculous. Yeah, and and Cronenworth spectacular play the other day um, in the in the shift. Machado Machado made a couple of tremendous plays uh, on Wednesday afternoon as well. The the broken bat. Uh, the dribbler that he had to throw out Segura and then the double play that got Suarez out of that inning when it looked like the Phillies might be rallying. So look, um, I've seen look. Hayes make some plays. Jose Ramirez makes some plays. Of course, like, they all make plays. Like Manny does, right? Like where yeah. we go, oh, no one can throw across their butt. Yes. Yeah. It's the totality that makes Manny yeah. Machado so good. Anyway. Okay. Anyway. Stop me, Jay. Um, stop me. I we, we need to stop. Manny also needs to drive in a runner from third base with uh, less than two out at some point uh, as well. So we will. I will take that side of the uh, of Machado as well. That's enough. I don't. I, I can't even say when we'll do this again with travel schedules and all that stuff. But you know, we'll let you know on. Keep following us on Twitter. We'll let you know. My best guess is that it would be on Tuesday, and we'll either be previewing a game seven on Tuesday night, or we'll be recapping somebody going to the World Series. So until then, enjoy enjoy the weekend, enjoy the games, and we'll be back with you next week. Thanks, everybody. 